Awesome. Well, Brandon, hey, we're back in week four. Yeah. It's wild. We're four ca- weeks in. It's true. We're steaming along. <laughs> it's it's crazy. So we're at roughly around that 30-ish, 33-ish, maybe 35, depending on how you look at it, percent yeah. of the series being done. So it's pretty cool. So, I mean, that being said, I, I think that we definitely are taking in the density of Ephesians. Um, it's yeah. really easy to say that, uh, you know, this book is a worthwhile one for where we're at as a church, but for sure it has its its weight to it. Um, and so if you're checking in with us for the first time ever, uh, you know, this is Brandon Marshall. He is our lead pastor here at North Kent Chapel, and I'm Miles Quibito. I'm the creative and production director here at our church. And so um, all to say, though, Brandon, I guess in, in where we're at in the race, uh, yep. we're just about to kind of dip into uh, chapter two. Um, what has been like an undertone of prayer that you would have for our church that mm. we would we would see through some of either what we've been through or what's coming on the horizon before we get into the text today? Yeah. I think um, this is it, it is a it is a very common prayer that I pray, but it's definitely one that goes along with this series is that we would see ourselves rightly. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Um, that I, I think I think the this this definitely is going into the new stratosphere, but like I I, <laughs> I think one of the one mark of Christian maturity is to know who you are positionally in Christ. See that very clearly. And that's a lot of what chapter one mm-hmm. deals with is like just all these words about who you actually positionally correctly are. Sure. And then there's this other thing that we have in our life between how we practically are. Yeah. And I think Christian maturity is closing the gap. It's helping how I live and how I practically move through life mm-hmm. to be more in line with who God says I am. Mm-hmm. And um, I think w- w- if, if we're off on either of those, if we, if we cannot really rest in who God says we are, or if we don't see ourselves rightly, life just becomes, it's a moving target. Absolutely. And so this is who we are, all those words in, in Ephesians chapter one. Yeah. Um, let's close the gap and live more like we're called to be. Yeah. Um, that's, I think, a subtitle of the, of the series, A Church Alive in Christ. Like, that's yeah. what we want to see. And totally. that's, that's been my prayer for us. Absolutely. And I don't think that that at all is uh, going to be lost on the passage that we look at now. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I think that it dissolves a lot of the assumptions around what Christ would want from us mm-hmm. versus what he does want from us. And yeah. so um, that being said, you know, uh, let's just go ahead and dive into it. So the passage from just this past week, uh, it was, like I said, it was hitting off chapter two of Ephesians. Uh, and so Brandon, my man, why don't you hit us off? I will. I don't know. I'll take the bad news and then you get the, you get good, the good news. news. I love it. All let's right? do it. <laughs> And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind." But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that <clears throat> excuse me, so that no one may boast. Yeah. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Mm. 
So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll say in general, like to preach on this, it's a fat slab and it almost preaches itself. <laughs> it, um, it does. Yeah. And so that being uh, said too, um, hmm. there's some areas to kind of dissect here. I yep. think that um, uh, we can easily look uh, at ourselves only. Hmm. Um, I think with you and I both being fathers, husbands, mm-hmm. uh, people that are uh, involved very much in the facilitation of a household. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in general, I think that there's some things looking at kind of the before and after. We talked about the fulcrum point uh, before we kind of diced up the scripture before we mm-hmm. started doing this. And you kind of mentioned that, hey, you know, one through three, and then the, the flip is four yep. through 10. Yep. Um, and so looking at one through three, just kind of breaking some of that down, I think there's some pieces that we can easily hone in on and just to talk about kind of where we sit in our own individual lives, I think it'd be important to look at. So um, kind of verse 3b, if you look at it, it Mm -hmm. says, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Yep. Um, I think it is interesting. uh, Often writers, much like Paul, uh, will use the word we were children to represent God's overall supremacy and his fatherhood to us, right? Yes. Um, And I think that there is like a a corollary sometimes, you mm-hmm. know, it's not to say that we, by any stretch of the means, are the God of our household. Right. But right. it is to say that we get this front row seat to what it looks like to be a child mm. in the same situation that we're in as a child of God. Mm. And so one of the questions that we thought about kind of when working around this scripture uh, as it relates to, you know, us and our position of life, um, talking about having kids yeah. um, and just seeing kids and how they manifest some of the sinful nature that people have. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's funny. Uh, sometimes it's not. Yeah. Uh, I've got holes in my drywall that shows it. It's not quite that funny all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do you think that uh, looking at a passage like this, it so strongly speaks to us as grown men, grown women, people that are trying to steward yes. better opportunities in our faith. How, how can we see some of this as it relates to parenthood? And so when we have a culture of people that sometimes just say, uh, you know, they're a good kid, or if we're talking towards adults, you know, they're just a good person. You know, how do we yeah. look at that? How do we like angle in to see our kids and see our families the way that God sees them? Great question. Gosh. Yeah. And they're like, there've been whole conferences devoted to this totally. idea, right? That Oh, um, so uh, one thing I love about this passage um, is it is just a, the first three verses especially are just a hearty dose of realism. Yeah. Um, and again, being fathers, yeah, you cannot be idealistic for very long no. as, a, as a parent, right? <laughs> right? Like that doesn't last very yeah. long. The Montessori child brain of like, oh, everything's perfect. My kid is going to be great. So like, you know, perfect. Yeah. yeah you know. <laughs> Probably not <laughs> because of what we know about them, yeah, right? Because right. what we know about ourselves, and you said it, like our kids are the best and the worst of us. Like yeah. we see these flashes of brilliance and then we're like, wow, that's great. And then you see these other things and you go, oh man, I know what that is because yeah. it's in me too, you know? Um, so I think probably even like to, to if, if we're going to take this and bend it toward parenting, I think one of the things that we want to say is mm. you need to be a realistic parent yeah. and, and, and call it what it is. Like... And this is going to sound so strong, but the reason that your child is selfish is because they are selfish. Uh, they yeah. do selfish things because they are selfish, right? Yeah. Like, and we are all that way. Yes, That's yeah. the thing. Like, so in a sense, there are no good kids, but they're all valuable kids. Yes. Yeah. There are no good people, but they are all valuable. We are all valuable people. So there, there's that distinction there that I think we need to make is that yeah. my, my activity, the things I do, 
comes out of who I am. I yeah. sin. Why? Because I'm a sinner. Yeah. Sinners sin. Yes. That's the message of verses one through three. Yeah. Is that like, it's just a reality check. Like you are not good. Mm-hmm. I forget the, um, there's a Barna statistic. I think this comes out every couple of years. Like uh, somebody serves or surveys like the American population and says, do you believe mankind is basically good? Yeah. And it's always an interesting statistic yeah. to like go, where are we? You know? Yeah. And it blows my mind. Uh, and then he has another one because of course it's through the roof. It's way more than yeah. you'd expect. And you go, are you watching the same news? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, but then he asks people in church, he says, you know, do you believe mankind is basically good? And again, the statistic is through the roof where you go, I think the last one was like 30 or 40% of, of Christians would say that mankind is basically good. That, I'm sure that number's not exactly right. Somebody go look it up. Yeah. Um, but we're like, gosh, no. Like, yeah. you cannot have a realistic view of yourself. Yeah. Um, and obviously, the reason we can't say that is is because of what follows next is like, if I'm a basically good person, I just need some reform. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's not what I need no. because I'm not basically right. good. And so whether this is parenting or it's just like basic anthropology, just seeing myself rightly, the yeah. study of humanity, it does not take Sherlock Holmes to look <laughs> no. around and go, no, we're not, we're not basically good. It doesn't mean we're not yeah. valuable. It just means that we are on our own. All these words, dead, like yeah. wrath, like all this stuff that's in there. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's us. And that's the trouble, right? I think that... Um the okay so like sometimes it's like a mirror uh, sometimes mm-hmm. you in your in your mind the value you have as a parent is directly correlating to the goodness that your kid has oh wow yeah. and so that trouble uh is <laughs> is kind of its own difficulty right like mm-hmm. because i don't want to believe my kid starts with a sinful nature and has different aspects to them or her mm-hmm. that uh uh causes them to do what they do um i can't like completely wrangle the idea that my kid, because it reflects on who I am. Sure. Um, in that same way, though, we do that to ourselves, which is a trouble. So to kind of jump back to the fact that, you know, we are grown people, we are child, children of God. Yes. Um, we have to admit that we have a shortcoming. Yes. Um, and the, what God gives us with Ephesians and all of the books in the Bible is we have a hope and a handbook. There you like go. that's what we've got. Really good. We got a hope and a handbook. And so the idea that you don't need that hope and you don't need that handbook is where you get assuming I'm a good oh, person. So good because like that and what what a countercultural idea that is to suggest that I am not my own authority. Yes. Like that I, I, I like that I, I we said this a couple times over the last few months here on Sunday mornings like to suggest that I need someone else to help me run my life, that I do not see myself yeah. the way that I should, that I am lost yeah. on my own. If you start there, you actually have a lot of hope. And if you can, if, if we can't have that realistic picture of ourselves, then we will never enjoy the provision that God gives us yeah. in, in Christ. Yeah. And so kind of running with that, you yeah. know, we've kind of done the, okay, we've got to acknowledge, I need to know that I'm a sinner. I need to know that people around me are sinners mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we're ba- basically riffing on this idea of it starts with humility and it's mm-hmm. just like we've got to get there and so by that our second kind of uh, take here is what does it look like to walk in the works of that god has prepared for us while also being aware that uh doing good works is not what saves us yeah so so yeah that's a i think this is where again we get it not we a lot of us get it wrong i get it wrong some days too it's a question of motivation. Mm-hmm. Why do I do the things I do? Um, 
and we could all peer into this one and, and you're going to know where I'm going half a sentence in. When we start talking about why we please our earthly fathers, mm. we've all got dad wounds. Everybody does. Everybody has some level of relationship with their father on earth, even if you've never known your father, um, where there, there's something not perfect about it. It's really hard because God calls himself a father. Mm-hmm. So we look at that and we go, boy, I really wanted to please my dad. Okay. Hold on a second. Like that, that immediately moves into this very tender thing. I remember as like, I played little league baseball, right? And I remember staring there. (laughs) I'm sure that was really fun to watch with some of the dads that go on in the stands, Holy smokes, man. I remember, you know, my dad was an assistant coach on our little league baseball team in Greentown when I'm like five years old or whatever. Rex Marshall. Totally. (laughs) And like, I remember, because he's a good dad. He's invested in the kids, you know, just like you are, you know, like we try and lean into our kids' lives and be present, right? So I remember stepping up to the batter's box, right? And when you're a five or six or seven year old, um, and, and it's coach pitch, right? So the coach yeah. pitches you a ball. I remember thinking in that moment, like, man, I want to crack this thing yeah, over the fence because sure. I want to see my dad cheer right. for me. Right. Whew. You know, that, that's a deep, <laughs> deep spot. Yeah. Um, but I think we we carry that expectation, some of those things, yeah. over into our relationship with the mm-hmm. Lord. Yeah. Um, so here's here's what's important about this. And we'll get to the to answer the question. Do I do the things I do because I want to earn the Lord's favor or do I do the things that I do because I already have his favor? Yeah, yeah. And so going back into that that little baseball metaphor, like one of the things I learned really early on is I would get up and strike out, which happened more often yeah. than I would like to admit. And my dad was still proud of me. And in my head, I'm like, this doesn't make sense because I didn't yeah. even touch the ball. Like I didn't get a home run. I didn't get a base yeah. hit. Like, uh, But he was still proud of me. Um, true story. Our little league team went one and 30 for the first two seasons. We won one game in two seasons. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. But my dad was still there. He still showed up. He still loved me. Like he was still kind, like he still supported, like he's still cheering me on. So am I trying to do this to earn his favor or because I already have his favor? And I think that's the difference in this thing. Like, why do you go on a missions team? Why, Mm -hmm. you know, are you and I in ministry? Why, um, you know, if you're a father or husband, why do you love your wife the way that you do? Or if you're a mom or a wife listening, why do you love your husband and your kids? Like, why do we try and live the Christ-like life? Is it to earn our father's favor or because we already enjoy his favor? Yeah. Um, and so the only one that can answer that is you. True. And that's such a hard question to sit with um, yeah. because it demands a level of reflection that yeah. most of us just, uh, it's its hard. Yeah. It's really tough. But it's also like, I don't know too, it's, and, and we've talked about this before, how some things are abstract. I think like mm-hmm. as our, our, our brains develop, you know, we begin to see things not just in black and white, but as a full palette of colors. And sometimes why we do what we do isn't always super clear on mm-hmm. the surface. Mm-hmm. And I think the trouble, if, if I'm just like to be completely honest, is that inside of a few things, one, uh, the Great Commission, we're told mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we don't go, mm-hmm. there's definitely an, an opportunity there. And it's like also seeing moments truly for what they are it's just like am i reserving because of my selfishness or am i reserving because it's the right thing to do and it's what god would want me to do because my family is my first ministry and if i got to attend to them and then so you get in this very convoluted nature of what is the right choice and what is god calling me to great and then that like you said that idea of like how much of because of what he's done for me versus because of what i want to earn from him Mm -hmm. um it becomes problematic but the great part and we've talked about this in almost every touch point that we've done for some reason or another uh community helps navigate the way that things should and could be um i think that there's a reason why the church is a stronger emphasis than individuality in faith a Mm -hmm. lot of times in the new testament 
And I think that sometimes we lose sight of the fact that a communal approach to gospel delivery mm-hmm. is a lot stronger than we give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's exactly on the nose. I think that a lot of times we impart our own personal insecurities onto how God sees us, but that's that's not Him. That's yeah. us. Yeah. And so that's yeah. the in the, in this spot and. Again, like we, th- this is that one spot in this text that I love so much. The first two words of verse four, but God, mm-hmm, here you right. were, here's what you were actually like, here's what you yeah. thought, and all of it was true. Right. Like your worst nightmares are your reality. Yeah. <laughs> like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then whew, the hinge, but God. Totally. And so like, what I really love about that too, like it isn't, but then you did this. Mm-hmm. Oh, like the, the actor in that verse is God, yeah. but God who is rich in mercy because of the love. And then Paul, like, again, it's like a runaway freight train. Like you said, this, 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 this text teaches itself. Yeah. You just want to read it over and over again. Yeah. Um, it's such a brilliant one. Um, so the, the good works that we have, they don't save us at all. Mm. Um, we do them because we are saved. And yeah. it's, it's how we just show our, our love back to our father who loves us and who's made us new. Yeah. And so that's Ephesians chapter two. What an yeah. avalanche of, of goodness that kind of happens here on these first 10 verses. And so um, all the same, this was week four, uh, yeah. you know, like I said, 35-ish percent of the way <laughs> through. And I think that uh, the remaining uh, portions that we have are just going to be equally as awesome. And so as you guys have been kind of studying and following along, uh, we would just continue to pray uh, the same things that Brandon had said uh, at the beginning of uh, the this, you know, touch point with just that, you know, we would grow from this as a church. We would see exactly who we are in it and just reflect out of what Paul has said to the, the church in Ephesus and impart that a little bit to the church of the North Gand Chapel, right? Yeah. So uh, check us out next week on week five. Going to love it. It's going to be awesome. See you then. Yeah.